Our reading this morning is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. And I'm reading from verse 38. Matthew, chapter 5, and reading from verse 38. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your enemy, uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay, well, we began a new series last Sunday, thinking about living upside down. Uh, with the idea that Jesus turns our world upside down by what he says and what he teaches. And last week we were thinking about um, what it meant to be great in the kingdom of God. And we said that uh, greatness in the kingdom of God was about being uh, the very last rather than the first. About being the very lowest rather than being the very highest. And about welcoming the very least. Uh, that was what living life in the kingdom of God uh, was all about. And this week, we're thinking about living in the second mile. Living in the second mile. This uh, passage of scripture, of course, is taken from uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which uh, contains some of the best known uh, sayings of Jesus. And uh, some of the passages that we're, some of the scripture we're going to be looking at this morning um, are still very well known and very well used today inside and outside of the church, even if people don't know where the sayings come from. John Stott writing about uh, these uh, passages, he says this, he says, Nowhere is the challenge of the sermon greater. Nowhere is the distinctiveness of the Christian counterculture more obvious and nowhere is our need of the Holy Spirit, whose first fruit is love, more compelling. And by that you may uh, gather the idea that what Jesus is saying is actually quite difficult. Not difficult to understand, but difficult to put into practice. So, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This, I would suggest, is, is the way that the world operates, isn't it? This is how uh, things normally are in the world. Um, when someone hurts us, 
most people want payback. Most people's natural reaction is to want to hurt somebody back. When somebody strikes us, if not physically, but uh, to, but verbally, very often our, our immediate and natural response is to want to strike back. That is the way of the world. If you've seen the film The Gladiator, it's kind of uh, shown in, in, in this film when this guy... Uh, who uh, is a slave and a, and a gladiator and a flight and, and a fighter comes face to face uh, with the emperor, and uh, he says, "My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant of a true emperor, Emperor Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next." And uh, if you sat in a cinema watching that film, you're probably uh, cheering him on and saying, yes, get your vengeance, strike back. And uh, Because this is how the world, the way of the world, this is how people feel. And if we're honest, this is how we feel, isn't it? And uh, some people might even think this is the right thing to do. We'll see. An eye for an eye, the way of the world. But not everybody thinks that's the way that we should go. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi says, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And Martin Luther King said, if we do, if we, if we do an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, we will be a blind and toothless nation. Two people who, uh, lived a different way, chose a different path, chose not to retaliate when they were being attacked. And throws a path based very much on what Jesus said in the Sermon of the Mount. These words have influenced people from generation to generation and have impacted people and still do today. So Jesus says, he's talking about refusing to take revenge. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also, this is all about refusing to take revenge, refusing to take revenge, turning the other cheek. I don't know what you think about that. I'd like to give you a little demonstration if that's uh, okay, and I'd like a willing volunteer. Anybody feeling they'd like to volunteer? The kids have all gone out now. So, uh, anybody want to volunteer? Because I'm not sure that turning the other cheek is, is what Jesus... Ian. Ian's a really brave man because he travels to Brussels every week. And uh, travelling to Brussels every week in, in these times is a brave thing. Now, what I'd like to do is, is uh, I'm going to demonstrate... Um, what Jesus said about uh, if someone strikes you on the right cheek. Now, most people in the country are right handed. About 90% of people in the country are right handed. I'm right handed. So, if I'm going to strike Ian on the right cheek, I can't really give him a good punch. Hit him with, with the back of my hand like that and give him a slap. I'm not going to do 
When, when Jesus is said this, he's not talking about letting somebody beat you up. Um, when, when somebody slaps you uh, in, in that fashion, really, it's an insult. And uh, it's, it's normally what a master would do to a slave. Maybe um, how a husband would, 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 would slap his wife. It's, it's an insult. Uh, it, it could hurt, but it's not going to hurt as much as a punch in the face. So when Jesus says about turning the other cheek also, it could be interpreted in various ways. It could be actually interpreted, you know, if you're going to hit me, then hit me properly. It could be seen as actually uh, somebody standing up for themselves rather than being uh, allowing somebody to walk up themselves. You know, sometimes people say, don't they, you know, come on then, hit, hit me there, hit me there, don't they? When, when they're goading people. And I don't think Jesus is meaning that. Because he's talking about non-retaliation. And so Jesus is actually saying something about not uh, striking back, turning the other cheek. And uh, of course it's, it's, it's a phrase that's still used today, isn't it? Uh, we still hear this, the, 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 the eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, and we still hear this turning the other cheek. A slap in the face, you know, people use that, don't they, as a, as, as a you know, as a, as a as an, an, an insulting thing, a slap in the face. I took your advice and turned the other cheek, but forgiving and especially forgetting might not be quite so easy right now. It isn't easy what Jesus is saying. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him take your cloak as well. The shirt off my back. You know, we still we still hear that phrase. Do you want the shirt off my back as well? Uh, people still use that. We have no idea of where it comes from. And again, what Jesus is 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 is, is saying is he's, he's not saying you know let people walk all over you, but he's saying don't retaliate. All these little four sayings have got to be taken in the context of Jesus is wanting to put forward an argument against the eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. And if we went back in the Old Testament and read, it does it, it, when it talks about an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth, it's actually supposedly giving it a law that lessens the person's response. You know, so if somebody, if somebody attacks somebody, you're not going to go and kill them or kill their family. It was supposed to be a, a reductive thing, even in the Old Testament. And Jesus said, you've heard the, this, this is what they said then, but this is what I say now. And if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. And this is about exceeding what's expected. And this is where we get this idea of living in the second mile. You know, some people do just enough, don't they? You might have worked with people, you know, and they'll do just enough to get by. Uh, just enough to keep the, the boss off their back. Uh, just enough so that they actually keep their their job, or just enough. You, you you've met people like that. Maybe at times you've been like that. You've been in a job that you don't particularly do, and you've just done enough to get by. 
And, uh, you know, sometimes, we, if we're honest, we can do that in church, can't we? Just enough prayer, uh, you know, to, to keep us going. Uh, just enough Bible study to kind of keep us on 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 on, on track. Uh, just enough church attendance so that that nobody thinks we've we've given up altogether. And this just enough policy can idea and way of living isn't the way that Jesus encourages to live. Jesus wants us to live in that second mile. And again, that phrase going the extra mile, you'll find it in 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 places all over the place as a a, a kind of encouraging people to, to, to work harder. Uh, the little chef used to have a, a thing. I don't think the little chef is actually still going anymore, so maybe it didn't, maybe it didn't work, but they, they used to pride themselves on a, on a, a company that went the extra mile. And, uh, this idea of, of, of going beyond what is expected, exceeding what is expected. Go the second mile. And of course we see this in, in uh, Jesus, you'll remember when Jesus was, was on his way to the crucifixion, one of the Roman soldiers seized Simon of Cyrene and forced him to carry the cross. The Romans could do that. They could seize somebody and, and force them to, to, to carry things. That's what they were allowed to do. Exceeding what is expected. Going the second mile. And... Uh, all these things are really quite ridiculous, aren't they? You know, turning the other cheek, uh, allowing someone to take your, your shirt as, as, as well as your, your coat, and if somebody's asking you to go one mile, going two miles, this sounds absolutely ridiculous. It sounds like you're going to get slapped all over the place, uh, taken for advantage of, and walked all over. That's what it sounds like. Give to the one that asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Um, I've called this like giving with grace. Now this, this again, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? If you, if you went into, into, into Manchester this afternoon and uh, gave to every, and just walked around the, the city centre and gave to every single homeless person, um, you'd soon kind of run out of money. Uh, because there's quite a lot of people kind of begging on the streets in Manchester. And yet, Jesus says, give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Tough stuff, isn't it? Because our, our natural response in each case, and we, we kind of saw it with the kids when they were like, someone was saying yes, yeah, someone was saying not quite sure, someone was saying no in each case. Because it, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds, there's something within us that wants to do the opposite. Uh, we don't want to give our money away, if we're honest, do we? Uh, when, we, when we? When we walk in the town centres and city centres and, and we see people begging, we probably wonder whether they are genuine or not. And our natural instinct is probably be, to be suspicious of such people. But I wonder whether we take serious Jesus' words, gives to the one who asks, do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Exploited generosity, maybe. Maybe there's a chance that if we do that, we will be exploited and taken advantage of. I think it's a chance worth taking. No matter how much we wish to follow Jesus seriously, this is uh, D.A. Carson in, in his Jesus Sermon on the Mount. He says, 
No matter how much we wish to follow Jesus seriously, we discover sooner or later that seriously following Jesus entails hard thinking about what he said and what he did not say. Absolutizing any text without due respect for the context and flow of the argument, as well as for other things, Jesus says elsewhere, is bound to lead to distortion and misrepresentation of what Jesus means. And these passages can be interpreted in lots of different ways and we've got to think about what Jesus said. And then try and apply it to our lives in relation to what else the Bible says. And not taking things out of context. And then Jesus goes on to say, you've heard it was said, as if this wasn't hard enough, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Again, this wouldn't be our natural response. The natural response is to hate our enemies, isn't it? We saw that, didn't we, in the EU referendum, how how different sides of the camp started to uh, attack one another because they held different views. And we see it in, in much more serious walks of life, don't we, where... The natural response is is to hate your enemy and not to love them. These things are not going to come to us naturally, but only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who persecute you, pray for those who mistreat you. This is about a love without limits. This is a love that has no limit upon it. We're just going to love people in Jesus' name, regardless of how they treat us. Not easy. Not easy. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Certainly doesn't mean the Romans, I hope. And we might be able to fill in the Romans with whoever it is we hope Jesus doesn't mean we're supposed to love. That annoying person in your life that you find it difficult to get on with. The person maybe who actually verbally attacks you at work. The person who certainly doesn't have your best interests at heart. Love them? Are you being serious, Richard? You, you try working with them. You try living with them. You try spending time with them and then see how you get on. Yeah. Difficult. Very difficult. But Jesus asks us to have a love without limits. You see, to love your neighbour, well, that's to live in the first mile. But to love your enemy, that's living in the second mile. To bless those who bless you, well, that's living in the first mile. But to bless those who curse you, that's living in the second mile. To pray for those who pray for you, that's living in the first mile. But to pray for those who persecute you, that's living in the second mile. It's going beyond what would be normal or natural or be expected of you. Jesus challenges us to go beyond. And remember, right at the end of this passage, it says... Be perfect there, for as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus is asking us to aim for perfection. We're not going to make it. And I wouldn't want anyone to go away from this service this morning thinking, well, I'm a failure because I I don't love this person. 
Um, I can't forgive that person. I can't, I can't turn the other cheek when somebody's slapping me. I can't, I can't do this. Because if you can't do these things, it doesn't mean that you've failed. Um, but we can try. And we're not going to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. We're not going to be perfect as Jesus is perfect. But we are aiming at perfection. And we're trying to encourage and uh, teach our young people and our children and the adults uh, to follow Jesus. And following Jesus is a serious matter. And living in the second mile is where Jesus wants us to be. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I wonder with the uh, with the things that have been going on in France in uh, in recent days, um, how people that were involved in that latest terrorist attack would feel about loving their enemies. It's interesting, isn't it? When these things happen, actually, um, I don't know about you, but I'm actually quite impressed and surprised by people's response because uh, it would seem to me that the majority of people actually don't seem to respond in a negative way, but there almost seems to be uh, an outpouring of love. You know, people on their Facebook will start putting the, the, the French flag on their on their profile. They'll start to identify with people that they'll never met and they'll start to send prayers and, and best wishes. And when the, you, you see people being interviewed who've been attacked, they're not saying we think that we should go out and try and get these people and kill them. Uh, they're just talking a, a, about being caught up in, in the situation and being grateful uh, that they've survived and, uh, you know, thankful maybe even to God uh, that they escaped when others didn't. So it's interesting, isn't it, to look at how people respond and to ask us, you know, how do we respond when we are attacked? How do we respond when somebody says something nasty to us? How do we respond? Jesus gives us, offers us a way to respond. And of course, this is what Jesus himself lived. Uh, that love your enemies thing, I think he meant it. Because you see, Jesus uh, was taken to court. And it would seem to me that he didn't try and defend himself. Uh, they stripped him of his garments. And, uh, and they whipped him. And then they they took him to Calvary and they crucified him. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus demonstrates what it means to live in the second mile, not only through his life, but through his death. We have a great example to follow in Jesus. So summing up, well... It's easier said than done, isn't it? It's easy for me to stand here and say this, but at this particular moment in time, nobody's slapping me in the face. Nobody's trying to rip the shirt off my back. Uh, nobody's stood at the door at the moment asking me to hand over my cash. And, uh, and I haven't got a whole load of enemies out there, um, you know, that I've got to try and love. So it's easy for me to stand here and say that. Uh, the rubber hits the road on Monday morning, doesn't it? When we're out there in the world... And where some of these things might actually happen to us. Chris Candy, in his book Destiny, What's Life All About, says this. God's purpose for our life is that we love him in every aspect of our lives. But also that we share that love with every human being. 
Why does it feel comfortable when we give up our seats for an elderly person on the bus? Why do we feel satisfaction in giving aid to the two-thirds world? Why do we feel at home when we buy the big issue from the homeless person? Most of us hope that if we are nice to people, then people will be nice to us. But this view by itself makes every act of kindness actually an act of selfishness and robs us of the possibility of doing anything genuinely selfless and kind action. Christianity presents another possibility. We enjoy being generous and compassionate, not because of an accidental wiring in our brains or because some psychological need to feel good about ourselves, but because we are connecting with our central purpose in life to demonstrate God's love in the world. You see, when we do these things, we're not doing these things to say, hey, look at me, aren't I a wonderful person? We're doing these things to say, hey, Look at God. Isn't he a wonderful creator? Isn't he a wonderful person? Love without limits. So the question is, will we live in the first mile or will we live in the second mile? Will we take the chance? Will we take the challenge to live in the second mile? Next week... We continue to think about living upside down, going in the opposite direction to the rest of the world.